Assalamualaikum everyone. So this episode is a little bit heartfelt. I tried to record this before, but I I don't know, man. I went on a 40 minute roll and I realized that there wasn't that much um, organization in what I was saying. So I'm restarting and inshallah, this will benefit someone. I hope that this helps someone. I hope that someone listens to this and their perspective changes and all of that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. So essentially, I have like two pieces of paper in front of me, and I've scribbled small, small highlights on them so I could share them in a order where I could remember everything off the top of my head. <clears throat> and if you can't tell already by the title, this episode is going to be kind of focused in on me. What a surprise. I don't like to talk about myself. I don't like to share anything personal about myself, especially not on like a podcast. Not a fan of that. However... Ever since I started this podcast, which, first of all, I'm shocked people listen to it, okay? I say this, like, every time. I'm shocked people listen to it. But I've received so many sweet DMs all the time from people saying how whatever I post is just super, super relatable. They feel better after listening to it or something like that. And I just want to put out a side note. Almost every single time when someone DMs me, they always start off by saying, Hey, I was kind of scared to text to you. Or, hey, I hope this doesn't sound weird that I'm texting you. Bro, listen, if you're listening to this right now and you want to DM me, you're thinking about Islam, you have something you want to talk about, you either really like the episode, whatever it is, I don't care. You got a new pet cat, I don't care. You want to DM me something, go ahead. I check all my DMs, I respond. If you hit me up, I've made so many new friends because of this podcast. I talk to them every day. Do not feel scared to DM me. I'm a normal person, nothing special here. I just upload podcasts now and then, but... Go ahead and DM me. We have a beautiful Discord. We're a little Islamic community where we pray for each other. We help each other. We talk about really important topics. And inshallah, I'm going to try to go live there on the voice channel soon so we can have live discussions about important things. So go ahead. Just DM me. Join the Discord. It's the same username everywhere. So no worries. You know what I'm saying? Don't feel awkward about it. Anyway, so I'm pretty closed on my story. I'm pretty closed on the things that I go through. I don't like to tell a lot of people. I believe that there's certain things that happen in life that are so vulnerable and that make us so weak, make us so sad that we bear through it ourselves and we don't want anyone around us knowing, not even our soul. And a lot of those things have happened to me. And I will be skipping over some of those parts of the story. So if I don't go in debt, just know it's because... There's some really big chunks that I'll skip because it's very, 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 very long and it's very scary to talk about for me. Um, it's not a topic that I feel comfortable sharing with anybody. Not even my closest friends know about this. Nobody. So there's certain things that you live through at a certain period of your lifetime and you leave it right then and there and you don't talk about it again. What I'm going to talk about is just kind of like the key different things that have kind of guided me to Islam. A lot of people, they constantly ask me, how did I become so religious at a young age? Which, first of all, I don't think I'm that religious, honestly. It, we cannot determine that, really. Like, it's all on Allah. Nothing is from us. But people always ask me about my opinions on how they came and stuff like that. So I want to talk about her on here. And hopefully after hearing this, maybe you have a little bit more hope in yourself, hope in what you're going through, hope in Allah, and all of that beautiful stuff. I mentioned this earlier, but I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I've lived there my whole life. I had very, very good friends. They're Muslim friends. We used to go to Sunday school together. We used to go to the mosque together, pray tarawih on Ramzan nights. Done it all. Been there. Our families were friends. Just the closest ties that I've ever had. I had this one friend that I, I grew up with. She was one year older than me. Literally my soul. I love her from the bottom of my heart. She grew up with me. Our whole families were always friends. I used to go to her house. I used to steal her toys. I used to. I wanted to be just like her. Anything she did, I wanted to do. So I'm telling you guys this because this plays a really important role a little bit later on in the story. So my biggest, you know, all in be all, in love with her. So growing up, I was born Muslim. My whole family practices Islam, alhamdulillah. But my relationship with Islam wasn't always top tier. At one point, I barely had one. And I'll get into that more later. So I grew up going to like Sunday schools. And the only reason I went was because my best friend used to go. And it was like, hey, we're all going. You know, we're all going to go out and have some fun. So it was kind of like that. I kind of went. One key thing that I remember time and time again from these Sunday schools and all these things that I've been through that they irk my soul to the deepest part. And this isn't anyone else's fault. I'm not trying to blame, criticize anyone. May Allah forgive me if I say something wrong. But one thing that I constantly remember learning was about hell. I remember learning about hell before I even understood what Islam was. 
I remember when I was learning how to read the Quran, the Arabic letters and whatnot, the Qaeda, it was always a discussion of hell on the side, how important it is to read the Quran, how important it is to adapt the word in your life, how important it is to pray because you'll go to hell if you don't, how important it is to, you know, do whatever, be on your deen, or else you won't, you'll go to hell. And that's all I ever heard about, how hell has like seven layers, hell has this, hell has that. And it it really caused hatred in me. It made me feel like Islam was nothing but a hateful religion. And you know, I'm really serious about this stuff because I tell this to everybody. And this is really for anyone right now. From the bottom of my heart, bro, if you're someone that's a scholar or gives dawah, listen to me. You have got to install hope before you install fear. Because fear without hope is hatred. Okay? Fear without hope is hatred. We have so many people that constantly talk about how if you don't do something right, you'll go straight to hell. You do not ever mention about the fact that Allah's mercy constantly overpowers his wrath. You're not mentioning about the fact that mercy is mentioned 10 times more in the Quran than the hell is. You constantly tell them out of fear, so they'll fear Allah. So they'll start to do righteous deeds. Not realizing that fear without hope is just a plan for disaster. It's a plan for disaster. You're going to make them hate Islam. And that's exactly what happened to me. That's exactly what happened to so many people that I know. It's happened to millions of Muslims. I open up TikTok and I see it all the time. You have, it's such a problem. It is such a problem. And I'm not trying to criticize no one. Because a lot of these times, these people that give dawah or they're scholars that they teach, they don't know that they're doing this. They subconsciously do it. And now that they're a lot more older, some of these people, they're in their 50s, their 60s, of course, the discussion of health to them is a numb topic. They don't feel anything when talking about it because they know that if you're righteous and if you keep good intention and if you're on the righteous path of Allah, you'll be fine. But young kids that are six or seven and you're telling me that if you don't pray, you're going to go to hell. Come on. Like, bro. Put your brain into that. Does that sound nice? May Allah forgive me if I said anything wrong. I'm really not trying to criticize any scholar, anyone. Because whatever you're, whatever these people are doing, really, they're doing it for the sake of Allah. They're doing it because they want to get to heaven. And may Allah accept those efforts from them. And I'm not saying that the topic of hell is something we shouldn't discuss. We should. But you should also mention how great and how kind Allah is. And how just your intentions can simply get you to heaven. Anyway, that was besides the point. So I grew up with that really fear, hatred thing for islam but ever since i was young and when i learned how to start pray i never stopped my parents alhamdulillah 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 bro like 10 times they taught me how to pray further than sunnah once so they taught me that this is how you pray they never taught me like just further and then they were like oh you can add sunnah whenever they taught me how to pray it all together so i thought that was just how you normally pray and i alhamdulillah that's how i've been continuing in my whole life the day i learned how to pray when i was a kid i've really never stopped since then um so it's really a blessing it's it's truly from allah I'm not trying to say that in like a bragging manner. It's truly from Allah, bro. Just pray for it. I'll pray for all of you guys. It's a blessing. It's really something that, it's a gift. We cannot control it. So anyway, like I said, grew up in a really good Islamic community. Everything was great. However, I eventually ended up moving to Atlanta, Georgia when I was like 14, 15, I think. And worst time of my life in the beginning. Um, it was really harsh. There was no Muslim community on me. There's probably around like five Muslim families and they will have kids that are like five years old and I'm not going to talk to them. What am I going to do talking to a five-year-old? Um, it just sucked. I was so lonely, unbelievably lonely. I had nobody to talk to, nothing to do. I lived in the wilderness. Literally, it feels like I live in the wild. I can't just walk to a store. That's not how it is here. And it, it was, it was bad. So anyway... Like any other normal person, I started going to middle school. This was, I think, maybe my 7th or 8th grade year. I was going ahead my 8th grade year. So I wasn't too young, but I wasn't too old. And I made a friend. I know, congratulations. I made a friend. I made a little group of friends. This group of friends, I felt like, was my biggest blessing from Allah. They were a piece of my soul. I felt like they had me completely. They had my heart. I was in love with them. I was in love with those girls. They were amazing people. We have sat there on the bathroom floor and cried together. We have watched each other like literally about to throw up. We've had, we've been through it all. We've saw it all. We've literally had the closest bond that grew in like a year and a half. I knew everything about their family. They knew everything about my family. It was, it felt like they were nothing less than, you know, blood. So I'm in love with these girls and we grow and we become the bestest of friends. I remember when I was going to leave for Pakistan, they were so kind about it. They even remember the time zone differences. They used to text me because it was morning there. It was used to be night there and vice versa. And they used to text me and be like, hey, how are you? How is it there? They used to get me all these presents. Like it was just sweet. It was the most sweetest friendship that you can really have at your young age, especially being new. When I moved here, every single person knew each other from kindergarten. So I didn't have a space. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't have a space to fit in. But they were never, ever 
negative towards me. They love me severely, and I love them severely. And I, of course, I still feel good for them. But um, plot twist, uh, things don't work out. <laughs> but I'll get into that. I think it was one day in my eighth grade year, maybe in the beginning. I got absent one day for school, and I come back the next day, and I hear all of this stuff. And it's like, hey, this person said this, this person said that about you. Your best friend said this, your best friend said that. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like in despair, and I'm like, you're lying to me. Look at me in the eyes and tell me that you're lying to me because you're lying to me. You're not going to tell me that they did that to me. Because I, I was such an innocent child. I don't know why I thought this. But I thought that after you show someone your most vulnerable, happy, depressed, sad, trauma, sad, you open up about your issues, they would not hurt you. Because that's how I am. If someone shows me their most vulnerable side, I'm not going to. I'm going to do everything in my power to not hurt them, right? And if I have, may Allah forgive me. But that's the whole point, right? Like when you feel that comfortable with somebody, you show them your vulnerable side. You show them what it means to be you. You show them what it means and how it took to become that person that you are today. That's what I thought. And, you know, that's kind of how it is, especially when you're a girl. You know, like your relationship with your friends, especially with like other girls. Like it's just so tight because you tell each other everything. You've been there with everything. Like it's just, you know what I mean? So anyway, I was 100% convinced that everything that I was hearing was a lie. Because there's just no way that you can see someone at this broken of a person, this state of mind, and then talk about them like that or say things like that. And then I asked them and I was like, girl, what's this? Like, come on, girl, me and you, we know it's a lie. She was like, uh, no. She was like, I did say some of those things, but I didn't mean it to come off like that. You know, let's just put it aside. Let's keep moving on. I, however, I, I was so in trust with this person i was so in trust with her that i i never thought that she would even feel that way about me i never thought she would even think those things about me so knowing that some type of negative thought like that or type of things that she said they're really hurtful bro but like it, it wasn't just her you know what i'm saying like it's 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 middle school drama crap you know what i'm saying i was like there's just no way like how how do you expect me to look at you and not remember this and i was really hurt i was so hurt. I went home and I cried and I cried and I cried. I cried for as long as I knew. And I just couldn't stop crying. And she she said sorry, you know, it was cool, but things escalated from there. You know how it is in middle school. They people need an excuse for drama. They need an excuse to get started. And this was the excuse because you know me and my friend group people were always so tight. Everyone knew about us. The drama started, rumors started coming in, and eventually, at one point, everyone was against me. I remember that I used to tell myself, I'm like, this is just stupid middle school drama, bro. Like, this ain't gonna do nothing to me. They're not gonna be my friend. I'm gonna graduate, I'm gonna go to high school, we're done. They're not gonna have an effect on me. Because, like, you know, you always hear about middle school drama. You always hear about how people not be friends. Like, nothing's gonna happen. I thought that, at least. But things got so out of hand, and I've heard things about me that I feel like I would I would never be able to kind of hmm overcome I thought that in the moment I've heard some things that were so hurtful that I genuinely lost my balance in life I thought that I was I literally lost it after that and it came to a point two three months later I became severely depressed. I became so depressed because look, like if you're waking up every day going to the same school where every single person there has something to say about you, where the rumors are too much that they, that, you know, you can't even clear up your name. Like there's just so much and it's like, there's no distraction. You don't have the best friends you grew up with. You don't have a relationship with Islam. You can't just walk anywhere and go freaking get boba. That's not how it works here. Like you're going to feel isolated. You're left with nothing except your thoughts. And that's what happened to me. And I used to think about it and think about it and think about it and ponder on it and just go and go and go and go. And it ruined me. It ruined me so bad that I was, at one point, I used to wake up to wake up every day and I used to throw up. And I was like, I don't want to go to school. My throat was just tired. I was tired. I used to be throwing up every day, bro. Even in school, like I used to go to the bathroom and I used to feel like I was about to just like explode and throw up. And a lot of it was because of anxiety. My anxiety used to get so bad that my heart rate would like, I felt like I was going to explode. My heart felt like I was going to explode. My stomach would like literally drop to my stomach every time I have to walk in and hear something new about me and hear how I've done this or hear how someone's going to hurt me this way. And it just, it killed me inside Loki. And I know this may sound dramatic, especially reflecting on, you know, how old we were. And I've been through, you know, childish drama before, but this was just something different, especially because I moved to a brand new place where I've never been used to. So I feel like that really took a toll on me because I had nothing except my family. I have no cousins. I have no, nobody that lives here. 
It's just my immediate family, my mom, my dad, you know, my sisters and whatnot. And after that, that's it. So, you know, the people that are your escape, when those people that are your escape become literally the reason you are just fed up, it, it becomes really hard to find comfort in any place. However, I thought that everything would stop here. It gets a lot more crazier. I had this one friend in middle school, and I wasn't close, close to her, but I was close to her. And she always used to tell me how she used to question Christianity. And I was like, oh, girl, you know, Islam's the truth come to Islam. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm researching, I'm researching. But me, myself, I never believed in Islam that much. And I'm, I'm inputting this right here because this is going to come back later on in the story. You guys will see. But she was such a sweet girl. But I never, we never really, like, were that invested and never talked that much at the time. Anyway, so graduation came. I didn't want to go to my graduation. I still went. Graduated middle school and I head over to high school. My ninth, 10th, and 11th grade year. Probably one of the worst years of my life so far. And it was really because of my own choices. The thing is, we talk about peer pressure. We talk about how when you hang around a certain group of people, you become like them or they affect you. And I used to tell everybody and their dogs, I'm not one to get peer pressured. You can't peer pressure me. Yeah, no, no. I got peer pressured and I became someone horrible. It's, trust me, you think you're big and bad. You think you can control yourself. You can't. So around ninth and 10th grade, I hung around the wrong group of people. They were kind of older than me. And I, girl done it all <laughs> um i i just didn't make good decisions really that's how i'm gonna put it there was a lot and a lot and a lot of sad stuff that happened in this time frame that i'm not going to touch base on i don't even want my soul to know about them it's just kind of like you know something i shut and i don't ever talk about again made some bad decisions went through some bad stuff and 10th grade year was also the year that i was gonna start studying for a test very very important test i needed to take that test to really go forward on anything be successful in anything in life and i had to pass this test i had to and you guys will see why this i'm mentioning it all this will come back and the story will make sense but i knew that i had to pass this test so i heard of everything i, heard, I tried everything i heard of the hajjid and i was like all right so i'm gonna pray the hajjid i studied nonstop. i studied starting from the summer all the way till December, actually, which was when I took the test for the first time. And I started praying tahajjud every weekend. I used to wake up. I used to pray tahajjud. I used to beg Allah so bad. I used to be like, Allah, I studied. I've been doing so many textbooks. been working my butt off. Help me pass this test. Because it's, it's, it's kind of hard and I don't understand. I was so confident in the power of tahajjud with nobody's business that I took that test in December and I came back and I flunked the crap out of it. I Oh my God, girl, I, I sucked. I did horrible. I failed. And I was just sitting there and I was staring at my score. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to have to call them because this can't be my score. I prayed the hajjid. This can't be my score. They said that every single thing that happens when you pray the hajjid comes true. But this didn't come true. And keep in mind that my relationship with God wasn't like great at the time. I just kind of knew that there's an Islam. I kind of knew that you kind of go to hell if you don't pray. I still pray five times a day. And I started waking up the hajjah just because I wanted this one thing. And I remember this moment like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the kitchen table with my mom. And I'm crying. And I say to her, Mom, why do people say that every single dua at the hajjah time comes true? Because not one dua that I made came true. You say that Allah is at the lowest part and he's listening to us and his presence is there and he's saying, which slave needs my help? Why didn't he see that his servant, his slave, who's desperately, dyingly praying every single weekend, prays five times a day, is calling out to him, why Why didn't he see that? And my mom was just staring at me and she had nothing to say. And she's like, oh, Hera, you know, you just need to let it go. Stop worrying. You know, like if something doesn't come true, it's because it's not good for you and whatnot. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't think I don't think you're getting me. Like, this is a test score. I need this test score to go forward. And this test score is not going to affect my relationship with nobody. This test score is not going to affect nothing. So why didn't Allah make it come true? What's the harm in this? And I, from that day, I made my mind. I was like, the hajjah du'as do not come true. I'm not praying the hajjah ever again. Ever. And I'm mentioning this because it comes back. Like I said, everything comes back. And I devastated hated the, even the concept of it astaghfirullah Allah, forgive me but i just hated the concept of it i used to see the hajjid miracle stories i used to go on reddit and watch read like little the hajjid miracle stories and i was like oh okay allah's answering their miracles he didn't answer mine and i i used to treat allah like it was customer service like i put in a request and i have to get something out and if i don't get something out it's a problem and that's how i my relationship was Little did I know that that, the hajjah, those weekends when I woke up for the hajjah, I was going to get something a lot more better. But it wasn't going to come easy. It was going to come through a lot of suffering. And I'll get into that. So basically, I did horrible that December. My dua didn't get answered. 
I wasn't making the cut. And the funny part is I was taking really hard classes in school and I was doing great in them. But for some reason, I just couldn't pass this test. 11th grade year came. And like I said, 9, 10th, 11th, I was just around the wrong group of people, made bad decisions, all of that. So I was devastated, heartbroken, all of that good stuff. You're not fun, but I was hurt. And I was like, okay, so Allah didn't answer the most powerful time of dua. So now what? I never stopped praying though. I always knew that I needed to pray. And I and I guess that came a lot from the fear that I had of when you don't pray. You know what happens when you miss one prayer? A lot of a lot of bad stuff happens. So you shouldn't be missing prayer. And I knew that prayer was the one thing that kept my day together, kept me together. So here I am dealing with not being able to pass a test, going to like, you know, this horrible drama, hanging out with the worst people, getting betrayed nonstop, getting talked about, getting called crazy when people would make me act out of character. It was just the worst thing. I hated the person I was becoming. I hated the situation I was around, but I was so deeply invested with these people, so deeply invested in the situation, in this life that I was currently living, that I didn't know that I could get out of it. And you can, you can. I know right now you may think that everything that you're going through is the end of the world and this is the only thing that matters. Trust me, there's an escape. And that's just turning back to God. Simple. You don't owe, you don't owe anyone anything. You can just deactivate everything, deactivate all the social medias and go away. And that's exactly what I did. So as time went on, it was my, I came to 11th grade year. Like I said, you know, nothing much happened. But it was February. I think it was February 12th of my 11th grade school year. And after maybe I've been depressed and sad for maybe three, four years now, and I've been, you know, just going through so many feelings, feeling suicidal, feeling this, feeling that, studying, working my butt off, not seeing result, feeling like a disappointment, you know, just the casual feelings, right? This was the one thing that really changed my life. February, I think it's 12th. I woke up one day and I was severely sick with something. I'm not going to explain what. It wasn't like a flu. It wasn't something internal. It was physical. I had gotten something literally overnight. I panicked. I showed my mom. I told my mom, like, mom, look at what's happening to me. She takes me to the doctor. We run to the doctor. The doctor looks at it and she's like, I've never seen anything like this a day in my life. I'm not really, really sure what to call this. She was like, it kind of looks familiar, but I don't know. And I've never seen it like this. And I've never seen girls your age so young have this problem. And I was like, just staring at her. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> hello. She's like, we might need to take a little bit of a blood sample. Take it to the lab and I'll let you know what it is. So, you know, they kind of did their research. Never really heard what it was. Never knew what it was. They gave me the basic advice. You know, take care of yourself. You know, drink water, whatever. <laughs> Nothing serious. And I was very panicked. And I did some. And you know when you're sick, something happens to you. Especially physically, you Google it. And WebMD, they tell you that you're going to die. And I felt like I was going to as well. I felt like my body was literally, my soul was being snatched out of me. I felt like it was so hard to pray because of this thing that had come. I couldn't even get down to do such the, it was so painful and I'm not going to go into it. My close friends didn't know what it was, where it was, but it's besides the point. So I'm literally going through this phase where I think that I'm going to drop dead. And this is it for me. I'm not even going to graduate high school. And I was very depressed. And I was like, Allah, what is this? I know that I was upset at you earlier, but there was no reason for you to do this to me. Like, what did I ever do? I always pray five times a day. And I guess I had this arrogance in me of thinking that since I am on my prayers that apparently Allah owed me something. Very disappointed, very hurt. I thought that I was going to die. Low-key, my mom did too. <laughs> we all made lots and lots of duas and alhamdulillah, I healed. I got better, never came back after that time. Throughout that time period, I constantly got dreams. I got dreams of the people that I hung around and how they would betray me. I got dreams of how I would be hurt. I got dreams of literally foreshadowing, showing me every single thing that was going to happen. Showing me in graphic detail that this is going to happen to you. And that I should probably leave right now before I get hurt so severely that I won't be able to come out of it. I used to ignore the dreams. I used to think that it was just my cautious being a little bit crazy. I was just kind of going through it and I thought that I was, you know, just taking things to my head. So I didn't do anything about those dreams. So eventually what happened was 11th grade May, I was, it was Ramzan. I was going through the worst time of my life. I was still really depressed, you know, all that typical stuff. And so I was on Google one day on my laptop and I saw this very beautiful little chart for like thickers that you can say. And you know, those subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, whatnot. So they were beautiful. Such a pretty chart. 
I printed it out and I highlighted it. And I just highlighted the pretty words on it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start reading it from every day on. This little chart was like my little motivation. I thought it was quirky. I thought it was cute. Highlighted it and I loved it. And I decided that I would read them every day, especially since it was Ramzan. And I was like, I'm pretty sinful. Might as well. At this time, I also started memorizing Allah's 99 names. Because they say that if you memorize those names, you'll get to Jannah. And I felt like I had no no place in Jannah. So I might as well memorize them and see whatever God can scratch up. And hopefully Allah will take me in. So I was memorizing them, kind of doing dicker, And slowly but surely, I started to feel comfort. I started to feel like my heart was getting better. I started to feel like I was growing okay. And at the same time, I was still studying for this test. I was still around the same group of people. And then, yeah, something really big happened. And so... It was July 4, and like I said, I love, love, love fireworks. I love them with my whole heart. <laughs> People do like fireworks shows, especially where I'm at, and I love watching them. Fireworks make me so happy. So I was like, okay, watching my fireworks that same night of July 4th, my heart felt heavy. And I was like, why am I feeling this way? I felt like something really bad was going to happen. And I was like, I should, I should look up, I should wake up, I need to check what's happening, what is happening. Where, well, like, what is happening? I need to do some research. What is happening? I felt like I needed to research in my own soul. I was like, what is happening? And I was like, something bad is really going to happen. And I was like, okay, it's my sixth sense. I'm being crazy. I'm thinking things. Nothing's going to happen. I went to bed that night. I had a few fears of what I thought was going to happen. And I woke up the next day. And exactly what I thought would happen had happened. When I tell you I lost my mind, I lost my mind. I went insane. I got so hurt. I got bad, backstabbed really badly by someone. And I was insane like I didn't have it in me anymore I was tired I was tired of being hurt I was tired of being and you know truth be told I felt like an idiot I felt like a stupid person for even trusting people for creating friends for allowing myself to be around people again especially after everything that happened the first time so after the second time of you know getting deceived and betrayed and whatnot I felt like it was my fault this time and I was 100% blaming myself I blamed myself every single day for it, every single hour, and I told myself that it was my fault. And it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not your fault for the way that people treat you. And I wanted to mention that in here, that there's the, peop the way that people treat you really is a reflection of how they are inside. The way that you treat people with kindness, it says a lot about how you are inside. So the way that these people treated me, I knew that there were some things that they were also going through themselves and... I guess those things overpowered them, and I don't, I guess, you know what I'm saying? There's not a closure for every single thing that you go through. Sadly, there's not much for this situation either. But at that point, I realized that I've chased everything I've ever wanted, but I'm not happy. So clearly at this point, everything Allah said was haram, was haram for a reason. Everything that's not allowed, not allowed for a reason. Clearly there's something that I don't know, and maybe I should start seeking. I cried, I cried, I cried so much that day. And I remember, I, I feel like I cried all the way to like further time. I remember I couldn't even sleep. My heart was just racing all night. I felt like everything in my world was falling. Because I was just so tired of feeling the same way every single time I associated myself with someone. And I started to wonder what was wrong with me. And here's the thing. Every single human being has a toxic trait. Everyone has some stuff that's toxic about them. One of the things that I feel like is so toxic about me is the fact that if I'm friends with someone, I will put them before I put myself. And I know that some people may think, oh, that's not toxic. That's just being super nice. Well, if you ever completely forget to take care of yourself, then that's not good. And I was kind of that person. So it took a negative toll on me and I forgot how it feels like to be alone, to not put someone before me, to not constantly be around friends. I forgot what it meant to be actually actually alone and moreover be alone in pain not have anyone to run to to tell your problems to nothing i didn't i was so weird to feel that feeling that i used to just stay up till fudger time crying feeling sad and it was it went on for quite some time and it was september i believe i was like i'm going ghost i've done my fair share of kindness to people i've always tried to heal people i always tried to be the person that fixes someone else and after everything I've done, if you can still deceive me like this from the bottom of your heart and not feel anything, then I there's no place for me here. So I'm already feeling suicidal, already feeling sad. I'm like, you know what? Just F it. And I deleted everything. And by everything, I mean everything. Snapchat, Instagram, I 
gone. I was gone. And I thought that I would come back in like two months. No, I didn't. I deleted everything. And I was like, I got some fixing I need to do. And no one's going to interrupt me in this fixing anymore. Because I was there. And you guys ruined me. So now it's time that I fix myself. I made stupid choices. I did wrong things by hanging around the wrong people. But if someone trusts you that much, the least you can do is reciprocate some trust. Act right. No? Alright. So I packed it up. Deleted everything. So now keep in mind, I've deleted everything. I don't even have contact with my good, good friends. Only a few people have my, had my phone number. And one of them was my best friend that lived in New York that I mentioned earlier. Throughout this whole time of me feeling really suicidal and sad and depressed, I never told her too much about it. I only told her a little bit. And throughout this time period, every single day, I remember before I moved, she used to say to me, I'm going to send you letters every single day. I'm going to write you a letter and um, it's going to come to your house. And I was like, okay. I didn't believe it. I was like, after I move, everyone's going to forget me. And I remember throughout this whole time, ever since I moved till today, even today, and we're so old now, we're like 17, bro. It's really different now. She still sends me letters every day. And it's, I feel like it's like an Allah's given blessing, you know, to have someone who's so far away from you, doesn't even live in the same state as you, but remembers you every single day and writes you little notes, sends you necklaces and cute little gifts, sends you long, long seven page typed up papers about their life and about the things that they're going through and how much they love you and care for you and just cute little pictures all the time like she used to send me all of this and the funny part is me and her we text and call every day but for some reason she would always find something to say in the letters and anytime I would talk to her she'd be like oh I'm painting you a letter I'm painting the outside and I always wonder what the USPS postman's or whatever their face might be when they see like a colorful pink letter just going in the mailbox I always wonder that throughout this whole time period she never ever left me abandoned and I never used to talk to her and I probably should have talked to her a lot more than I than I do but I never used to talk to her, and I think she knew that I was really, really depressed deep down, which is why she was full force, constantly sending me stuff. And then she used to send me beautiful little verses and quotes from the thing, from the Quran and whatnot for me to read on. So, at that moment, I was like, okay, there's one person in the world that cares for me, and I, I care for this person as well. So, one of those, like I said, I had multiple nights where I was very on the verge of suicide, and I one day texted her, and I was like, girl, it's it, I can't do it, I'm done. My best friend knew at this point that I was not about those. I was not about that life anymore. Words of encouragement were not going to work on me. I was hard as solid. I couldn't. There was nothing that was going to fix me. She's like, get up, walk around your room, and read out the Kursi. That's all she said to me. And I was like, you out of your mind, homegirl. I'm like, girl, like I'm I'm going crazy right now. Like I, I'm telling you, like I'm gonna do something. You're telling me to go read Aitul Kursi. Like what? What are you on? She was like, go do it. And I was like, okay. Got up walked around, read Azul Kursi, and instantly my heart started, like, calming. It just started, like, falling low, and I was like, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, like, I'm gonna pull through for one more day. And I told myself, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep, and if Allah really wants me alive, then I'm gonna wake up for Fajr time. I woke up for Fajr that day. <laughs> I woke up for Fajr. I was just sitting there, and when the alarm rang, and when the azan was playing in my house, alhamdulillah, my whole family is Muslim, like I said, so we have the azan playing in our house five times a day. The azan played in my home, and I hear it, and I'm just like, what is this? God, wh why are you trolling me, bro? That, that was the only thing I sat there and thought. I was like, you know I'm suicidal, you know I'm depressed, you know I don't see the purpose in life, and now here I am waking up to the azan. What is this? I hear the azan, and I'm like, all right. I get up, I do wuzu, I pray. I had nothing to say to Allah, I just kind of cried for a bit, and I went back to bed. And I didn't, I didn't, I never had a severe, severe, severe thought of, you know, suicide after that day. Of course, felt on edge, but nothing that severe. And this time, I'm still kind of doing the thicker chart that I saw. And I'm still trying to study for this test. I'm still going through all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, continuing on my thicker, continuing on everything. So now, fast forward, I'm going to take this test again in October. I've let go a lot of the stuff that I used to do, became a lot more of a better person, but I wasn't on my path fully just great just yet. I was still stumbling between back and forth of the lifestyle that I knew and the person that I wanted to become, and I would still sometimes fall into sin. And this time, though, however, when I took the test, I had a lot of anxiety. I was really worried about how I do, but at the same time, I was confident that since I stopped doing bad things for the sake of Allah, He will reward me. I took that test again. Guess what? I failed it, <laughs> flunked it again, I cried so much, oh my god, my best friend knows, everyone, my family knows, 
hysterically cried. I did it even worse the second time. And I think one of the big plays in that was my horrible anxiety and my worry about how I will do bad. I did even worse. Did even worse. And I was like, so I tell God that I'm depressed and that I want to die. And now you wake me up. I'm trying to get back to you. And now this happens. Like, you know, I made the offer this so bad. And I always used to say, I'm like, Allah, you know, if you answer this one dua of mine, like, I'm going to become so much more religious. Like, my iman is going to skyrocket. Like, it's going to heal everything in me. Why isn't he answering? And forget the test. At this point, it became like a test. And I was testing Allah to answer my dua. And astaghfirullah is the worst thing you can ever do. Do not ever do that. But I was acting like my duas meant something. You know what I'm saying? And they don't. Allah does what's right for you at the right time. But I was testing Allah's powers. And do not ever do that. If you're doing that right now, even subconsciously, stop. Don't do that. That's the worst thing that you can do. So at this point, I'm not talking to no one. I don't have my social media. I don't have anything. I only have my few friends that have my phone number that I talk to now and then. But like anyone from school, anyone really from the same state I was in, I wasn't talking to. I've had a few people who attempted to reach out to me, who tried to get my number from someone else. They're like, girl, did you fall off the face of the planet? Where did you go? And at this time, it was also COVID. COVID was coming in. And there were so many things going on and that every, everything went online. So it was natural for me and my friends to feel scattered. Like my acquaintances, some of them went back to school. I didn't. I stayed online. And I knew that I should have stayed. I needed it. I, it wasn't even because of COVID. Yes, COVID was really high peak. But I needed to fix myself. And I knew that if I went back into that school, I wouldn't be able to do that. So failed the test second time. You know, doing online school. Doing so much better. Alhamdulillah. Bro. When I always grew up in my life thinking that I was dumb. I thought I was dumb. I thought I couldn't do anything. And that was because I used to determine my worth by the people that I was around. I used to think that since they called me dumb, I'm dumb. However, after I was isolated doing school online, just in my home, I started to realize, I'm like, hold on. Like, there's, I'm kind of doing good. Like, I'm doing good in school. I was always about academic validation. But I always felt like I got lucky when I got good grades. I never thought that it was me. I never thought that I, my hard work was worth anything. I thought it was just luckiness and you know this this and i never thought i was smart but i started doing it i was like hold on like i kind of like learning it's not that horrible kind of like doing it alone i'm kind of enjoying this it's going well so like i said the talk of the hajit came up again and i kept i like the only really social media thing i used at this point was youtube and i didn't and tiktok yes youtube and tiktok but here's the thing Nobody here really DMs on TikTok. Like, who talks on TikTok? I didn't give nobody my TikTok. So no one knew that I even had a little secret TikTok where I used to watch videos. That was it. Those two things were my escape. And I used to be on, like, Muslim TikTok. And I saw so many talks about the hajjid again. It was the hajjid this. I prayed the hajjid. This came true. And instantly in me, anger started to boil. I was like, y'all, are you for real? So anyway, time goes by. And I've come to this phase where I realized that there's a god and i realized that i'm muslim but then i started to question why am i muslim and i couldn't come up with a reasonable answer i was like okay my family's muslim so i'm muslim but i was like but why that's stupid god would give me a brain for a reason he wants me to use it why am i muslim and i'll dig and dig for the answer and i couldn't find it so i was like you know what let's do some religious research i kind of felt like i was i don't even want to say i was agnostic or stuff for love but like it kind of felt like i was i was praying five times a day i knew that there was a god but I just didn't understand if that God was Allah. And this is kind of funny now that I think about it. Because I had so much fear in me for leaving my prayers. And I had fear on not praying. And fear on like, you know, committing suicide. Because I knew that that one string that held me back was my deen. But I don't know why in my brain. My brain, especially shaitan, he really made me believe. He's like, okay, yeah, you're holding back for Islam. But is Islam the truth? Like, what, what, what's on your mind? And I was like, yeah, that's something to think about. So I started doing research. I told myself, I'm like, Christianity is the world's largest religion. One of the first ones, right? I'm like, why is it the world's largest religion? What are people saying that I'm not saying? They keep saying that Jesus is king, that Jesus died on our sins, that Jesus died for our sins. What is it that I don't know about this? So I started doing research. Started looking at the times of when the Bible was written, when Jesus died. Who wrote the Bible? Who are these Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Who are these people? Like, And I just started digging on it. I started reading the Trinity. And no matter what I did, I just ended up more confused. Uh, confused every single time the dates weren't matching up the fact that we have three in one the fact that jesus does not know when the last hour is but his human flesh was important because he was human spirit and he was god the fact that he died in our sins the fact that your good deeds some people say that your good deeds let alone are not enough to get you to heaven some people say that your belief in jesus christ will rescue you and take you to heaven 
why is that enough why is our belief in one god enough why is the belief in jesus christ enough to take me to heaven when i'm the worst person on earth why is it that i can be a murderer and still go to heaven and you know anytime i used to ask these questions people used to say to me well when you truly believe in jesus christ you won't commit a sin what do you mean by that are you trying to say that i'm become an angel if i believe in jesus christ because that's that's what you're telling me and my i was heartbroken i didn't understand the religion at all and i really tried i, just, I put my brain to it i put my whole brain to it i live in the south everyone here is christian you cannot walk in a street and not see five churches at once there was not a lack of christianity here there was abundant and i just didn't understand i'm so you're telling me that the people that did me wrong in my life they're gonna go to heaven too all because they believe in jesus they believe that jesus died for sins why that's not fair and then the question came to be, some people said that, oh, you know, you admit your sins to a pastor, you pay, whatever. Why should I tell this pastor my sins? This pastor sinless? If he's sinless, why is he here? Why isn't he an angel? Why did, why did Jesus choose him? Why, could, why didn't Jesus choose me? What is this spiritual warfare? Why is this rap going to come? Why is God, God going to leave me back? Like, what is happening? And it was just so much for me to take in, so much for me to understand. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And so besides the emotional aspect, that the emotional aspect of realizing that Jesus, quote, quote, died for my sins and that, you know, Jesus Christ is going to come and rescue me. Jesus Christ is going to do this for me. The fact that if I believe in believe him in, believe in him being God, I'm going to go to, straight to heaven. The fact that and some people, they also said they're like, oh, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you know, then you won't commit sins like that. You won't be going out committing murder because you will know that you want to get to heaven. You'll value the fact that he died for your sins. You won't be committing sins anymore. Like then you're saying that I'm an angel and I'm not an angel. I'm far from an angel. So it, besides the emotional aspect, the scientific aspect of it, the way that it was written, when it was written, the fact that it was changed, none of it lined up for me. And then I have also heard this from so many people, how in Christianity, it's faith that perfects religion, not religion that perfects faith. There's a lot of Bible scholars that have admitted the fact that the Bible has been changed. And in my belief, if God is perfect, his book should not be changing. So that threw me over and I was like, why should my faith be the, be the reason that perfects religion? My faith is jacked up. My faith is messed up. How is this going to perfect the religion? Religion needs to fix me. I need to go somewhere. I need an escape. I need to heal. And this religion is not that for me. So I crossed her off because scientifically and emotionally, it didn't confirm. It didn't fit for me. And I'm not trying to insult anybody that is listening to this, that is Christian. Um, but there's a lot of things in it that doesn't make sense. Like when, where does Jesus say to worship him? Where do they say to, some people worship Mary. Where does it say to worship Mary? It, there's a lot of questions that I have. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people say that, oh, you can read this Bible verse and derive this from it. But I don't understand why. Why? Like, I just don't understand it. It didn't line up for me even scientifically. Especially when you look at the date. Especially when just, there's so many things that doesn't make sense to me. So I crossed it out. I looked at some other religions and I just wasn't satisfied. I knew that a religion that had one, more than one God wasn't for me instantly because they cannot share that power. And I felt like kind of Christianity kind of gave me that vibe. And I, know that I may sound stupid saying that, but if you're Muslim, you get what I'm saying. The Trinity in my aspect doesn't make sense at all. There's no way you have a son who's also the God. A Holy Spirit that's also the God and Jesus himself that's also God. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And I've talked to some people and they say, well, we don't believe in the, we don't, we don't believe in the Trinity, you know, but we believe in Jesus being three in one. And I'm like, what, 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 what? Like, that, so cross it off. And I, I do want to preface this here. I, I tried from the bottom of my heart. I really did. And I never want to seem like I'm a confirmation bias type of girl who believed in something just because she was raised in it. That's not me. If I felt like Christianity was the right religion, I would fight with the world. If I had to meet, if that means living on the street, I'd live on the street. That's how crazy I am when it comes to being committed to something. I'd live on the street. But I didn't feel anything. Nothing. Nothing for that. It felt too confusing. So now I'm at this phase where I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, if this God is real, he's going to come and get to me. And at the same time, I'm praying five times a day. So you can tell that little girl is really confused. And I'm asking myself one day, and I'm like, if, if you don't if you don't believe, like, you know, Allah is God or whatever, why are you praying? And I was like, well, because I don't want to go to hell. And I was like, oh, well, because you have a fear. And if there's fear, there's hope in you. And I was like, okay, well, I guess there is hope in me. And I knew that there was something happening. One day I opened up Instagram and I read this beautiful, beautiful quote. It said, sadness that brings you back to Allah is better than happiness that ever took you away from him. And that quote really spoke to me. And I was, I was like, okay, whatever I'm going through, I'm here for a reason. Same day, I think, around the same time period, I read another quote. It said, when Allah is mad at you, he doesn't take away your house. He doesn't take away your cars. He doesn't take away your wealth. He takes away your prayers. 
and that hit me and I was thinking to myself I'm like well I never stopped praying and then I was like well I never stopped praying but I'm not I'm, my whole heart wasn't in it but I never stopped doing it out of fear because that was the one thing that I felt like would save me in the end and I was like well there's hope in the here still so now I'm just buried in these thoughts I'm thinking about so many things and I'm like what is this like it doesn't make sense this was the one thing that really changed my life this other Instagram quote and it said if Allah can save Prophet Yunus from the stomach of a whale Prophet Ibrahim al-Islam I'm sorry al-Islam Prophet Yunus al-Islam and then um Prophet Ibrahim al-Islam from the fire and you know all these things what makes you think he's not going to save you what makes you think that your broken heart is something in the eyes of Allah what makes you think that that's unfixable and I was like whale Eunice what Eunice was something he went what like I knew my prophet stories but I didn't know them like I just kind of had a gist of like who the prophets were but I didn't know really what they went through out of curiosity one day I felt like this was so insane I went on YouTube I typed in prophet Eunice al Islam story and the first thing that pops up is this little picture of like you know like it was for the kids it was like kids prophet story and it was like a whale and it was like a little you know figure that they made and I was like huh I clicked the story and it was Prophet Yunus Alayhislam's story and I, I love his story with everything in my heart. The most beautiful story. It's one of the most beautiful stories, of course, after Prophet peace be upon him. But such a beautiful story and how he got stuck in the whale and how, you know, no matter how many times they drew his name on that boat, his name kept coming. And so he had to j dive into the ocean. The whale had him and how right when he realized that he was in that whale, he thought he died. He thought that it was over for him. But he sat in that well and he prayed. He prayed to Allah. He asked Allah for forgiveness. And he was saved. And he was rescued. And I was like, he went in a whale? I was like, this is a lie. No. You're lying. Cut the cameras. And I did reach out. I'm like, this is legit. Like, this is real. And I was like, Allah saved somebody from the stomach of a whale. What makes you think that he's not seeing me? And I don't even know why. That just sparked so much in me. Then unconsciously, I started watching more of the prophet stories. It was this beautiful channel, it's like prophet stories for kids that do like a little animated cartoon. And then I watched Ibrahim al Islam. I watched, you know, Dawood al Islam. Just watched all of them, so many. And I was just like, I was shocked. I was like, Allah loves the ones who worship Him so much. Allah loves people that at least try so much. And I was like, that's so beautiful. And I was like, Allah sent these people and their story for us to look at it even years later and see hope. And that's exactly what I felt. My mom, she always listens to Numan Ali Han. That's, you know, one of her side people. My mom loves listening to, you know, scholars and whatnot. She used to listen to Numan Ali Han all the time growing up. And so subconsciously after hearing all of these prophet stories and all of this beautiful stuff, I, anytime I sit down and do my chemistry homework, my math homework, I used to go on YouTube and type in Numan Ali Han and listen to his videos. He had these beautiful series that was, what was it? It was um, emotionally traumatized, spiritually recovering. Dude, that saved my life. Let me tell you. I listened to his videos and I started listening to Omar Suleiman, Mufti Mink. He had beautiful quotes. He, I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, Mufti Mink had this beautiful quote that was like, um, replace panic with prayer, worry with worship, and like that, and his tweets, and I, I fell in love with everything these people had to, had to say, and I asked myself, I'm like, where is Numan Hulihan, Omar Suleiman, Mufti Mink, where are these people getting their words, where, where are they learning this, and then I was like, oh, they're learning this from the Quran, and I was like, yikes, there, there's that, there's that thing, there it is, that's what you were looking for, and when I tell you I'm their biggest fan, like I've watched practically every video there is. I've, I'm obsessed with what they have to say. Mashallah, such knowledgeable people. May Allah bless them. But man, and I, seeing what they did, seeing the way that they talked about the things that really spoke to my soul, I was like, I want to do that too. That's so cool. And I used to look for like female speakers and there were never many. There were, only, there were only a few and they used to talk about very limited topics. And so I was really obsessed with constantly reading and listening to what they had to say. Naman Ali Han has this beautiful book called, I think, Revive Your Heart. Found the book online. I read it. I haven't read all of it. I read like the first two chapters and I used to read it every night and highlight and go through beautiful things in it. And there was this beautiful chapter in it. I think it was called It's a Girl. And it talked about how, you know, when females used to be born, they used to be buried alive. And then it was after, you know, the Prophet of Peace be upon him, after he really advocated for females, how they started to live and how important a female is, how important a woman is in Islam. And it had such beautiful things in it. It talked about, I think Prophet of Peace be upon him's story. It's been a lot, hot minute. I didn't even finish reading the whole book. I should probably go back and do that. But um, it was so beautiful. And I've, I started to find peace in that. 
so like you know like i knew the person i started looking into the quran i started learning about the miracles the fact that birth was talked about before we even knew about it the fact that they were told about the mountains the atmosphere and i was like there's just no way like how can anyone deny this book this book was written 1400 plus years ago and allah has told us every single thing in this and it's coming true the euphrates river the pile of gold this is all coming true so it has to be god that wrote this that wrote in this and i was thinking to myself and i remember i always thought this growing up i was like you know how they say that the miracle of our time is the quran and i always used to think i'm like oh what a lame miracle stuff but i used to think that when i was young and i was like why can't we have something cool happen like you know like rescue by the fire or like see what ibrahim al-islam went through like what that's such a miracle i always used to think that now that i'm older i'm like the quran is a humongous miracle it's the biggest miracle there is the fact that everything that's written in there is coming true today and it was written decades ago and it's never been changed it's always been preserved that's a miracle so i started reading the quran started doing everything and time came and then i had a, I had a tafsir class that i used to take every sunday my teacher was like hey start memorizing surah waqiyah surah waqiyah i think it's like 90 something ayahs i was like girl you pushing me okay you pushing me 90 something ayahs i don't want to do it she used to force us every week. She was like, go, you can memorize this many eyes and come back and recite it to me. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started memorizing Surah Waqiyah. And I got in, I got in, I got in. And eventually, I think I was like on ayah 40, 50, alhamdulillah. And then she tells me, okay, I'm going to let you guys memorize some of it on your own. And I'm going to ask you in a few months where you get up to. So I'm thinking in my head, halas, alhamdulillah, bro. Finally, I'm free. I didn't want to memorize it anyway. <laughs> so um, I got so happy and I stopped doing it for like a couple months. And I was thinking there, and a couple months later, I was thinking, I was like, man, I already memorized like 40-something ayahs of that suit out of 90-something ayahs. I might as well finish. So I started memorizing Surah Waqiyah. And beautiful, beautiful Surah. Talks about the occurrence, about, you know, what happens on the Day of Judgment. Just everything. It was so beautiful. And I was like, I'm in love. And I'm still memorizing it. <laughs> I'm still memorizing it. So it's, it's taking me some time. And as memorizing it, I realized that I wanted to memorize the whole Quran. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. I'm not done. I'm nowhere near. And I'm not forcing myself to finish in any time span soon. But I've made the intention. And inshallah, by the time I die, I will have it memorized. And then my mom was like, hey, have you ever heard of Surah Shams? And I was like, oh, yeah, I heard of it. I don't really, I never really knew what it meant. She's like, it's so beautiful. Read it. And I read it. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever read in my entire life. And she also told me about Surah Duha, I think. And it was those two surahs. I felt like Allah was talking to me directly. Surah Duha is one of the most beautiful, beautiful verses, really ever, that I've ever come across. And um, this is not exactly, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. When Allah, in the beginning, it's like when the with the morning brightness, when the night, when it falls still, your Lord has not forgiven you nor forsaken you, and the hereafter is better. It's something like that. And I just loved it. I fell in love, and I was like, this is beautiful. My heart feels that soul. And then that is when the thought of hereafter started to develop in me. And I'm like, there's a hereafter. And it's not just hell, there's also a heaven. And that is when I was like, I want to get to heaven because I, I need it. Like, I'm so tired of this earth. I'm not going to stay on this earth. This earth owes me loyal no loyalty. It's always hurt me. I want to get to this thing that you guys are talking about that's heaven, that gets better every single time. So I was like, I want to go there. And in this time frame, I also stopped listening to music. I fell in love with Omar Hissam's recitations. I bet you guys know who he is. Some people do not like them. Some people love them. I personally love them. His recitations brought me so much peace. I specifically listened to Surah Rahman. That was the first one. It was all over TikTok. I listened to it. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm obsessed with his words. Like, I'm obsessed with the way that he reads. And mashallah. And ever since then, I just was like, you know what? There's no point in me listening to music. I'm going to listen to it to like eight times max. And then I'm going to get bored of the song. So I might as well listen to some Quran and gain some free, you know, swap. So I, at this time, I also started TikTok. And I'm posting on this TikTok. I'm telling, you know, posting on this TikTok like, hey, you know, things are going to get better for you. I'm posting on this TikTok about Islam, posting the Quran, posting all this stuff on my TikTok. My following starts to increase. By the way, I don't have that account anymore. Um, TikTok completely violated that account. Besides the point. Um, I met beautiful, beautiful people. I met such young girls who DM'd me and they were like, hey, your videos made me so happy. Keep posting. Your videos mean the world to me. You're like an older sister that I never had. And tears bro i was like 
someone's saying this about what I have to put out there. Like, y'all really like it? All right. So after some time, that TikTok account got violated. It literally got taken down. I posted some stuff on there about the Chinese Muslim locked up in camps. And after that day, my account just stopped working. So I've, I've made a new one, of course. And it's not doesn't have that big of a following right now. But it's not really about the following. It's about the fact that I've met such genuine people off that. So it was it was a beautiful experience. Anyway, so I started fixing my pay, um, prayers started reading my Quran, I got onto Islamic calligraphy, I used to post on TikTok, it was just beautiful. I'm so shocked that I'm actually maxing out my time right now, but there's actually a lot more to the story. Um, my Spotify thing is telling me, hey, stop recording, you're reaching your max, so I'm gonna try to link the two segments, inshallah, it will be beneficial. So I'm really improving myself at this point, becoming the best Muslim that I can be. And this is where things get really, really cool, kind of crazy, and... Yeah, I think I'm going to try to record this in the next segment. So at this point, the thought of, you know, the test that I was studying for all these things, they're still there. But I've learned to cope with them and I've learned to heal with them. And I've learned that it's going to get better and that everything's going to be okay. And I just have to give myself some time. So like I mentioned in the first recording quite a while ago, I mentioned to you guys how I had a friend in middle school who was really questioning Christianity. And I was like, oh, hey, you should convert to Islam. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay. She She was thinking about it. But the the um, chance of her converting never came up then. Funny story. What happens is um, I go to Walmart one day on a Sunday. <laughs> I woke up. I go to Walmart. I needed some vitamin C. Homegirl was deficient on vitamin C. I wake up to go get some vitamin C. And I said to my sister, I'm like, girl, I really don't want to go. Just go get me some. She's like, no, come on. Let's go out. We'll go get something to drink, whatever. She takes me. And I see this girl there, and I'm like, that looks so much like my friend that I had in middle school a long time ago that I lost complete contact with. I was totally ready to convert to Islam. And I was like, should I say something? I was like, girl, I'm going to be a coward if I don't say nothing. So I went up to her, and I'm like, hey. And she's like, oh, my God, like, that's you. And, like, we completely reconnected. It was her. I was like, oh, my God, like, how are you? Whatever. I got her number. And I start talking to her, and she's like, oh, I'm ready to take my shahada. Can you please be the one that does it for me? And I was like, you out of your mind. You're out of your mind. I'm too sinful to be giving anyone their shahada. What are you on? And that's exactly what I thought. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't say that to her. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, girl, sure, are you sure? You want to go to the masjid? There's a masjid here. <laughs> no, she was like, I want you to give it to me. And me and her talked about this. We, I told her so many things, and we have, um, alhamdulillah, prayed together too. She came with me on Eid prayer. She's come to my house multiple times. It was just the most beautiful experience ever. And then I remember one day, she was like, hey, let's meet up at the park. I want to take my shahada. I was like, I was just silent. At this whole point, it felt like a fever dream. That Allah chose his most sinful person to go give someone else a shahada, to go give someone else a dawah. Like, what? And so I go that day, and I, you know, I, I got it ready, and I go to the park. And she's sitting there, and I'm like, all right, repeat after me. And I give her her shahada, and I'm like, all right, there's no God except Allah. You know, Allah and Muhammad, peace be upon him, is his messenger, you know, whatever. And I'm, t- I'm telling her about this stuff. She's like about to cry. And she's just like, wow, like, finally, like, you know, I converted to Islam after such a long time of researching and whatever. And I was like, isn't it kind of crazy how it never happened in like sixth, seventh grade? Not seventh, yeah, not sixth, seventh grade when me and you were like first meeting. She was like, yeah, at that time I just didn't feel ready. And it just makes, it was so beautiful to me. And it made me realize like, you can try to help out people as much as you want. But unless Allah doesn't decide that you're going to come to use to somebody, you're not going to come used to them. I could have given her shahada back in middle school. But I, myself, needed Allah. I'm, I will always need Allah. And I, she needed him too at the time. But I think she really was firm on her belief a couple months ago when she took it. So her shahada, that was a really big turning point for me. Because at that point, I realized that while you may feel like you're too sinful to anything, really for anybody... Allah sees your efforts. And it was that one time that I sat there in the midst of all my freaking chaos that I made an intention and I told myself for two months, I'm just going to try to do a little bit of dhikr, watch a little bit of Naman Alihan, you know, pray, understand why I'm praying, do everything just for two months. Do it for Islam, try to be on my deen. And if I feel better after it i'll continue and if i don't i'll continue to go chase this world and i made that firm belief i told myself i'm like i've been chasing this world and i'm not happy but i've been doing that a limit you know what i'm saying but if after these two months i don't feel anything i'm gonna go chase this world. i'm gonna drop everything forget pray forget everything i'm done right like i'm forget religion 
And in those two months, I, I forgot that I was even ever doing a test try on religion. I forgot that I was even doing that towards Islam. I completely bawled my eyes out every single day. And I felt so much more healing towards God. I felt like he listened to me every day. I used to talk to him every single night about everything. <sighs> and it was probably the hardest months, but the most happiest of my life. Because I felt like I was finally becoming someone that I really dreamed of becoming. But it was really through Allah that it happened. So that was some of the main key aspects and main key points that I was willing to share. There's so much more that I've left out on purpose because I could go on forever. That's why I kind of skipped out on a few things. <laughs> Although this is like an hour something long. So if you listen to this, you're committed and I love you, okay? But um, that was a lot of the main things that happened to me. And so when a lot of times when people DM me and they ask me, you know, why are you like this, like this, you know, whatever, whatever. Here's why, that's why. There's a lot of things that happen in your life that make you become someone that you never thought that you could be. And I think a lot of these things were the things that shaped me. When someone else might hear my story, they might think, oh, she's so dramatic or, oh, she's kind of crazy. That's okay. Because we all feel that for someone else, you know what I'm saying? But like, there's Allah, Allah really knows, man. There, there's no one that understands the feeling of when you're sitting there prostrating before God, just crying your heart out on the prayer mat like my prayer mat used to be drenched every day <laughs> it was beautiful i loved it bro i loved it and it was it's i think about it like almost every day there's still a lot of things that i still haven't healed from i still go through them i there's still a lot of things that i don't do that's, that aren't great and my intention in the story was never to act like i'm superior or that i'm a great person or that i look at me i'm i'm 17 and i've done all this and i'm on the right path no I'm never one to judge what path I'm on, to be honest. I try my best to follow the path of Islam, follow what's right, but I don't know if everything that I'm doing is always 100% right. And so that's why I always emphasize in every single one of my episodes the importance of intention. When you intend to do something good for someone else, for yourself, for Allah, I promise you, you won't be let down. One of the biggest reasons in my life why I never wanted to make change was because I was, I was scared. I was like, what's the point of making change? I'm comfortable being this person. It hurts, but I'm comfortable being this person. And if I change, no one's going to see it anyway. My family's not going to see it. My friends are not going to see it. No one's going to see it. So what's the point of me changing? But what I didn't realize at that moment was that the person that needed to change the most was myself. Because if you ever come to a point in your life where you're struggling to live in your own body, your own soul, and you're, it's like a jihad within yourself every day, there's, there's a changing that, that needs to be done. And so when I started changing for myself and changing for the sake of God, I promise you I was not let down. And I'm not saying this, that, oh, my life is great. My life is perfect now. You know, I'm, I don't struggle with anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you need to find the thing that makes life a lot more breathable and makes you feel like you have a purpose in life. And for me, that was Islam. And I hope that after listening to this, for a lot of you, it was, it's going to inspire you to get back on your dean. Because if it inspires even one more person, bro, like just one person, I've done my job. I've done my job because I've been sitting here all day, bro, recording this. It was worth it then for me. So that's my point. I'm going to finish this off by saying a few more things. Do not ever, 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 ever despair in Allah's mercy. If someone told me, someone told my younger self, that for all the sins I've committed, if I just once went down on the prayer mat and sincerely repented to Allah, everything would be forgiven, I wouldn't believe you. But if you told me that today, I would believe you. Because I've seen and I've felt it happen, most literally in my own life. And it feels like a miracle to see the way that Allah can forgive you. To see how Allah doesn't hold a grudge against you and to see how beautiful heaven is and how beautiful his mercy is and how his mercy overpowers his wrath every single time every single time i think about this so often on how i could have been a prime example of someone who made a horrible poor choice who could have left the prayer i, I was a prime example of really honestly of a lot of bad stuff <laughs> i really was but allah allah really saves you trust me bro do not believe in confirmation biases. Go out there. Dig what brings your soul peace. If you're a Christian, listen to this. And I know that I do have some people that are Catholic, that are Christian. Listen to me, bro. Listen. I know you may feel comfort in what you believe in right now. But God has given you an intellect for a reason. Use that intellect and find your peace. Your intellect, your brain, these things are a gift from God. Do not live your life blindly following something just because your family has followed it. If your belief means that you have to end up on the street, 
then you will end up on the street and I promise you that God will be there for you. I promise you that if you truly work on yourself, Allah will never let that go to waste. And I promise you that no matter what happens in life, if you 100% make a pure intention, you can be rescued from anything and everything. It's just about making the intention. It's about wanting to change your condition so it could be changed. It's about believing that Allah will help you. Throughout my whole journey, I always prayed. But the one thing I never ever had was tawakkal. I never had trust in Allah changing my condition. And maybe if I had that, things would be a lot more different for me. But that's what I really, that's why I really wanted to share this with you guys, bro. Grow tawakkal. It's a plant. It's like a feeling inside of you. We grow anxiety every day. We nourish and water our anxiety that it grows branches in our brain. And we worry about what's going to happen if this doesn't happen, what's going to happen in 10 years. You grow this plant of anxiety and you feed it and you nourish it. Rip it out. Rip that, rip that anxiety out. And put a plant of tawakkal in your heart. Put a plant of trust. And this plant will grow and take you so far in life. It will take you everywhere. It, can, it will be the reason you get to heaven. Every single piece of hard work that you put on yourself will never go to waste. And for every single dua that has not been answered on the day of judgment, it will be there to favor you. If you guys didn't know that. Every single thing that doesn't, ha that doesn't, I'm sorry. Everything thing that doesn't, that never got answered will be there for you on the day of judgment. And it will be there as an extra reward. And for every single thing that hasn't been answered, know that Allah is so, so wise. He is so wise. He knows exactly what he's doing, when he's doing it, how he's going to do it. Did I mention, y'all, the third time I took that test, I passed it? <laughs> I just wanted to include that in the story. Because I knew someone was going to be like, hey, Hero, did you pass it? Yes, I did. Alhamdulillah, it went great. But, um, yeah, it's about the wakil. The third time, I had lots of the wakil in Allah. And I never knew that one test and one academic validation craze would bring me to the point of where I am today. But... None of this, really none of this is ever in my control. None of it was. None of it was ever my decision. I never decided to wake up and become a religious person. None of this is from me. It is all from Allah and it's really all from Allah's mercy. Because the amount of pain that I've shed it, I feel like at one point Allah was just like, bro, let's go. Let's go. Let's fix this. And he really had a lot of mercy on me. And inshallah, he continued will. And inshallah, he has that on all of you as well. I hope you all found this so beneficial. I hope that it was fun listening to it. I hope it wasn't boring. I hope that you guys are still awake. Um, I want to finish this off by saying, please, please, please go join the Discord. Follow me on Instagram. DM me on Instagram if you're going through something. I love all of you. Thank you so much constantly for your sweet comments. And inshallah, everyone has a great day.